Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back for episode number two in the Believe Aztecs basketball podcast. I am Matt Scraby, and alongside me is Randy Holcomb, Hall of Famer for the Aztecs. This is the Believe Podcast Network, and Believe has a podcast for every one of your teams and the only place with a show for your favorite team. We believe in our teams, and we'll get started here. See, I, I was thinking I was going to have a th- – this is my notes right here. It's a little weird because I put it as, like, a part of it. But uh, that was it. We believe in our teams. We'll stop right there. But we're going to get started with episode number two. And in this episode, we're going to talk about that huge win over Arizona State the Aztecs had on Thursday night. They uh, now rank 18th in the country. We just found that out a few minutes ago. We're recording this on a Monday, December 14th at 9 a.m. And so we'll talk about uh, their ranking. We'll talk about where we thought they would be ranked. And we look forward to the schedule ahead, which includes everyone's favorite Aztec rival, B. BYU. So we'll talk about that. We'll get Randy's memories on playing BYU. But first, Randy, how's your week been? How's everything going? Been good, man. I mean, a week just getting started. The weekend was great. It went went look, you know, went faster than what I thought it would. But you know, here we are. Right? It, it, it's always like that. It's always like that. I wake yeah. up on Saturday morning. I'm like, yes, two days, and then it's already <laughs> Monday morning. But I mean, we're talking sports, so it's not that big of a deal. We're talking basketball. That's right. And uh, the Aztecs at the time they were ranked 24th in the country, but they beat Arizona State 80 to 68. We're just gonna jump right into this because this is a pretty impressive win. They're moving to five and zero on the year, and so far this year in those five games, they've already beat two Pac-12 schools, which is awesome and a really impressive comeback against Pepperdine the Sunday before. So there is so much to break down about this game. And um, at first, I just want to get your quick thoughts about where the team's at, Randy. I personally think this is not better than last year's 30 and two team, but I I think that team uh, last year is carrying over the, the feel of it. Cause a lot of those guys, except for say Malachi Flynn are still there and they really want to, proof that they were they belonged in the tournament last year so that was just uh it was it was unexpected but it was expected for me for to see the Aztecs be ASU yeah I'm in agreement with you 100 I think that it's you know for the Aztecs I think that winning um you know winning is a real thing there now I think it's it's just part of the culture and I think that there's an underdog mentality that the, that the program takes even when they're even when they're picked to win um and, I, and I, the other thing I think that that happens or that has happened is that uh, Brian Dutcher has went out and got the players that match him. If you look at mm-hmm. the players, the players matched him, his personality, and they they do what they're asked to do. So um, I'm a little caught off guard by the 18 ranking, but being a really in the country. <laughs> but um, but when you look at it, beating two Pac-12 uh, teams and coming back against Pepperdine, um, not having a loss up to this point, and then the carryover from last year, and then couple that with the, the fact that you lose Malachi Flynn, which opens up the door for, um, uh, you know, Jordan and Matt to step up and, you mm-hmm. know, play great. Uh, and and they've clearly wanted that mantle. They were, I'm, I'm sure they were chomping at the bit yeah well, Malachi to leave so that they can get an opportunity <laughs> so, exactly so, exactly uh, so it's really cool to, it's really cool to see that, that that they're taking full advantage of that and that the team is playing great 
Yeah, yeah. The two Pac-12 schools really stands out to me because I think about your time with the SDSU, and you were there right when the program started getting going. You, like, like I said last week, uh, you may not agree with it or whatever. You may not want to hear it, but yes, you were part of the start of Aztecs basketball, and that was confirmed on Twitter by a listener of ours. So they said they loved you, and uh, that's right. that's just going back to that. It would be hard for the Aztecs before to even get a schedule with two Pac-12 schools on it. Now you're playing two Pac-12 schools in the first five games of the schedule. Now I know it's COVID and everything like that, but they've been playing Arizona State. They've been playing Cal. They've been playing Gonzaga. They've been playing these teams. But when you joined the program, playing two Pac-12 schools probably wasn't going to happen. No, I think there was a couple of reasons that it wouldn't happen. I think that first, my first year there, we, you know, I thought – I think they think that, or they thought that it would have been a waste of time to even play us, right? They would beat us yeah. 30 or 40 points. Um, and then there's a there's a shock factor. We played against, um, I think the toughest team we played against that year was Oklahoma State. They came to us, um, and then we beat a ranked Fresno State team that same mm. season. So then at that point, people are a little leery, right, as to, as to ah. I'm going to play against you. Now we find that, you know, the, the team is ranked so high that it's a plus for them to play us, whether they beat us or lose to us, our RPI is so high that mm-hmm. it, 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 it validates the win and it validates the loss, right? In a, in a, in a, yeah. in a weird way, right? So, yeah. um, and the Pac-12 clearly won't let us into there. I'm sure that San Diego, in fact, I know I've talked to some higher ups at San Diego State. We've lobbied to get in the Pac-12. They won't let uh-huh. us in uh for because of being so close to the la area with two other pac-12 schools there that that could influence the recruiting to ucla and usc See, that that that's what bothers me about the the conferences and the college sports in general is that it's all supposed to be about student athletes and the game and the kids but it's all about money and that's a different story for a different day but when you're when you're blocking out a school from becoming to better themselves and you don't want to do it because it's going to impact recruiting for UCLA that just doesn't do it for me if UCLA wants to be better than SDSU then recruit better exactly that's all it is and it really bothers me but i'm sure that happened I mean, that's the feeling around a lot of uh non power 5 schools right 100% i mean it you you want to it, it should be about competition and it should be about young people that, you know what you said is absolutely true but the fact remains is that the ncaa is a machine it's a business and, you know, it's <laughs> it a lot of money. and ucla especially ucla uh, on the west coast is a uh, is a well-known institution for basketball and a lot of history there so um again i, th- I think at some point if the if we if we continue to lobby I think it'd be a good thing, but uh, a good thing I should say. But anytime mm-hmm. you let Utah in to the pack and and not let us yeah. in, like, isn't, yeah. somebody had to somebody got to say, hey man, that's that's a little that's a little on the weird side, right? It, it just doesn't it sound is a like little. It. it is a little on the weird side. I completely agree, and I know that the Aztecs football program is struggling with this right now because they both these te- both these programs, the football and the basketball program on the men's side, are are ready to reach the next level, and they can't. They're right. being blocked out. It's right. like. I, I guess I equate it to starting a Twitter account, say you want a lot of followers, but in the beginning, it's just proving that you're worth a follow. And then as you get to a certain point, people are either going to decide, okay, you're my competition or I like you and I'm going to follow you. 
So it's kind of like that with SDSU. They're getting to the point where they are the competition and no one really wants to let another team in. That's really good. Right. It's San Jose state joined the mountain West, I think. And, and uh, in football, I am saying specifically, and they were terrible. And right. so of course, come on into our conference. Come on in. We're good. We're good. But when San Jose state now is playing a little bit better, you know, a lot of teams are thinking, why is San Jose state in our conference? Now we have to go play them. Right. But it is very strange. The whole conference thing. It's very strange. Absolutely. It is. Absolutely it is. Yeah. So let's go to uh, the win and it's 80 68 and uh, Nathan Mensa, someone who had to sit out last year because of a blood clot in his lung. He's showing the country what he can do. He missed the the final, I think it was like 15 or 17 games of last season because of this blood clot in his lung. So he didn't get the development time that he wanted to, but he ended up scoring uh, 17 points, boarding 50, getting 15 rebounds. And one thing I learned from him is that his arm span, I looked it up, it's seven foot five. That dude standing in the middle is able to change every shot that comes comes his way. And I don't know that I want to drive the lane with a guy with a seven foot five wingspan standing there. Yeah, you definitely that definitely makes the game tough, especially when you're uh, Remy Martin, who is, you know, six foot at best. It, it makes and, and he has a very low shot. It's right. very low. He's got a little push shot, you know, a little little shot put type deal from. His yeah, chest, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. But the. Um, but uh, yeah, Mensa watching the highlights, uh, he was, I mean, the guy was all over the basket, rebounding the basketball. And if you got a guy who can change shots and rebound at a high clip, you're probably going to win. If you win the rebounding war in general, right, in basketball, you're probably going to win the game. And that kid was all over the bucket. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he had a couple offensive putbacks. He did. They they did crush them on. Uh, they were seventeen to seven on second chance points. So I mean that that in itself, I mean, just makes it incredibly hard. Even if you make, even when SDSU missed a shot, if you can go back and get the rebound and put it back in, yeah, well, you're still shooting fifty percent, right? And most times, yeah. if you're shooting fifty percent or better, you're probably gonna win. The That's game. true. I didn't um, think about it like that. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, it, that makes it very, and then it also gives shooters for SDSU confidence. Okay. If I, even if I miss this, right, we're probably gonna get the rebound back. That yeah. makes it easy to be a great shooter. And and in that you, you know, watch again, watching highlights, man, it just made it, you know, that was a, a game that just was a, a beating from the beginning to end, no matter how, no matter how many runs, you know, uh, ASU tried to go on. Arizona's, yeah, they, they just, yeah, they just couldn't. They do tried it. to go on mul multiple runs, and uh, like I said earlier, Remy Martin didn't even take a shot until 14 and a half minutes into the game. Now, the other stat that I saw that goes along with the second chance scoring was the points in the paint for the Aztecs. They scored 36 compared to the Arizona State eight. Now, I don't care what team you are, you get 36 points in the point paint to eight, you're gonna win probably 99% yeah, of the time. 100 percent I mean 100 percent of the time. 100% okay. of the time. If you think about, I mean, you're if you if you're able to get into the paint and score, it's demoralizing for the other team. And then it's also it's like a it's like a well-trained running back almost or, or a great running back who was, you know, who just keeps banging at you, you know, and then yeah. in the fourth quarter, you just, the, the levy just kind of breaks. It's the same thing yeah. in basketball. If you can't keep people off the glass or if you can't keep people out of the painted area, it, it, it just becomes almost impossible. And if you, in the flip side, on the other side, if you're able to keep them out of the painted area and make each one, every one of their baskets a tough one or a long one, 
again, it's just going to be a long night for that team. And that's what, that's really what happened. If you watch Arizona state play against other teams, they lived in the painted area, backdoor cuts, drives to the basket, Josh Christopher, who we haven't even mentioned yet in, in this mm-hmm, uh, in, mm-hmm. was highly touted freshman was non-existent, non-existent, you know what I mean? And, 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 you know, a lot of people claim that he's a pro, you know, that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'll get an opportunity. I just don't know how good he's going to be, but I did want to see him go against SDSU because he's one of the better recruits in the country. Right. Uh, he was next to nothing. And if Remy, if he and Remy do absolutely well, next to nothing. I shouldn't say absolutely mm. anything. Yeah. Uh, looking at, you know, look at Remy's stats. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't good. It no, wasn't good for it him wasn't at all. Good at all. So for a guy who was a preseason All American choice, I mean, it, he, he looked lost. Even his coach, uh, Bobby Hurley, after the game said that he just wasn't there. He wasn't ready. He didn't know what to do. And the Aztecs play such good defense that they were frustrating one of the best scorers in the country. And after the game, Jordan Shackle even said the same thing. He's like, I understand what these opposing teams are going through because sometimes in practice, I'm annoyed by my teammates for being so good at playing defense because I can't score. Right. And, and that's that's just a whole nother way that the Aztecs are getting better and better and better is because they're in practice scrimmages and drills and all that stuff are going up against guys that are starters on other teams. Right. So okay. you're just getting better. And, and that just is such a good uh, uh, such a good thing for the Aztecs basketball team going forward. Right. 100%. I think that the defensive side of the basketball, again, this goes back to, to Dutch, right? He, he, he mm-hmm. takes away the strengths of the other team. And you can tell like in, a, in, in his scout or whoever did the scout, whichever person on, whichever coach on his team that did the scout, there was an emphasis on stopping Remy, right? Yeah. Up to this point, Remy had played pretty well, right? I've watched him play a couple times this year and he had Remy, Remy Martin had played, he was playing pretty good. I mean, he, we mm-hmm. talked about a kid with that little, with that push shot, you know, that he's he, got a Sean Marion shot. Yeah. He kind of, he, he has that, but he shoots it from deep. Right. And, and there, was a, there was a, there was an, uh, an acknowledgement that he had to be picked up as soon as he crossed half court, thereby making him a, you know, more of a ball handler. And even if he gets into the lane, if he can't see over Nathan, then what can you do, right? If you can't, yeah. you know, he, he, you, you turn him into a facilitator as opposed to a score, and that doesn't bode well for them winning the basketball game. Yeah, and Matt Mitchell, we haven't even talked about him yet because he wasn't really a factor in the game per se. Now, he was a factor because he had 14 points on the night, but he shot one for seven. He made 12 free throws. So if that that's... To me, that shows a smart basketball player and good coaching. When you're not, when your shot's not falling, and there's a guy like Matt Mitchell who has a big body who can get into the lane, who can get to the hoop and get a foul, that's that's his job now. Okay, my outside shot's not working. Whatever I'm doing is not working. So I'm just going to take the free throws where I can get them. I'm going to try to draw a foul, and that's what he did all day. Twelve point or twelve free throws and fourteen points, and it didn't matter that he shot one for seven. One hundred percent. I mean, the if you look further into the stat that you just talked about, if I'm not mistaken, Josh, Josh Christopher was guarding him and Josh was in, Josh Christopher was in foul trouble all night trying to guard. He was, and he fouled out. And he fouled out, right? So if you think about that, you know, there, there had to be some understanding of, of what he could do as a shooter. They were mm-hmm. trying to play closer to him or to try to take him out of the game and he was able to draw fouls and get to the line. Scoring, being a good scorer, is about getting to the free throw line. If you want to be a good scorer in basketball, you have to figure out a way to stop the clock and get to the line. He was able to do that 
and help his team win. Yeah, you want to shoot it better. Yeah, you want to make shot. You know, yeah. You, it, but the fact remains is that you got to be able to get wherever you need to get in that particular game in, to, in order to be successful, in order for the team to be successful. Yeah. And I love that. I love that someone, you know, I don't know that any of these conversations happen, but you were there in the huddles and everything like that. Does that happen where some guy's shooting poorly one for seven and now the coach is trying to switch their, their, are they trying to always get them going or are they going to switch their, their strategy a little bit with someone who's not playing so well that night or shooting that well? Well, I think every coach wants to get his best players going. I think that, uh, yeah. you know, you, you definitely want to give them some confidence and, but at mm -hmm. the same time, you got to look at the flow of the game. Each game is just like its own lifetime. Yeah. So if you, you know, if, if they're playing close or if they're, you know, if they know all your plays and they're trying to take this one particular player away, well, the other players have to step up first because it's a team sport. And then the, the you know, a player like Matt has to understand that he has to play to his weaknesses as opposed to his strengths, right? You got to drive the ball, right? Backdoor cut, figure out how to get layups, figure out how to get to the free throw line. Um, doing that, and that's, you know, pretty much what he did. I mean, it was a quiet mm -hmm. night for him, you know, for him, right? Relatively, yeah. Relatively, right? You know, but 14 points and a, and a, and a win against a top-ranked team in the country is generally how it's going to go against any top-ranked top ranked team in the country. So, yeah, you'll take the win every day over 100%. a top ranked team in the country. And Jordan Shackle, he had his career high 25 points, uh, six more than he scored 19 against BYU last season. But he shot one for six against Pepperdine, which he, he told us we interviewed him on 97.3 The Fan. And, and I asked him how, what kind of shooter he was. And he says he's the best shooter on the team. Him and uh, Terrell Gomez are trying to fight for that title right there of best shooter on the team. But he he rebounded from his uh, one for six against Pepperdine and made the five threes against ASU. Bobby Hurley said, quote, the best player on the floor today. So that's high praise from a very good and legendary uh, coach that has been through a lot of players and a lot of programs. And, and Bobby Hurley calling you the best player on the floor, that is just a huge confidence booster, especially when there's a preseason All-American named Remy Martin on his team that he said, yeah, he, obviously he wasn't the best player of the day, but high praise, high praise. I think that there's a, there, there's a couple things that play there. First of all, that is great praise, great, great, praise praise yeah right? <laughs> but i think the flip side of that too is that he's trying to light a fire under his player right mm -hmm. <laughs> in that, in that regard. but yeah he's telling the truth though you know he's telling yeah. the truth jordan was the best player on the floor you know uh, and well let me say this i would disagree i would say that the best player on the floor in this particular game was uh was nathan mensa i would say that yeah. he was the best player on the floor because he was the most effective player on the floor he, he impacted the game he impacted the game a little bit you know and it, it changed the entire dynamic of the way the game went uh but you know jordan you know everybody is entitled to their opinion i got one and he clearly has one <laughs> yeah so, that's true uh, jordan is uh but jordan played great right he played great yeah who who I'm gonna ask this question? Who's the leader of this team? Because Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle are both the the freshmen, or they were true freshmen together. They came all the way up to being uh, seniors this year. What I I don't know if there is a leader per se, like a one person leader, or if it's a team thing. Because Jordan Shackle, when we talked to him, it sounded like him and Matt are on the same page as as being leaders together. So, is there something that is there something to that, or do you think one guy is actually the leader and the other guy isn't? I really think that. You know, this particular group of kids, I, don't, I, don't, I think that the leadership uh, kind of meticulates through. I think that there's a different captain every game. I think there's a different captain, you know, it, mm -hmm. based on, you know, based on the situation. Right. 
okay. Typically, there's a guy on the team that that's that's the guy, but those mm-hmm. those two guys are you know relatively young guys, and you know, I don't I don't see either one of their personalities personalities as being you know willing to grab another guy underneath the collar and say hey man yeah. that's what we're doing right yeah but I think that that you can lead you know by example mm-hmm. um, and I think both of those guys do a pretty good job of that and I also think that sometimes the coach has to be the leader of the team and I think that in you know. Dutch again recruits players that are in that vein. There's a there's a um, um, there's a way that he recruits that every coach recruits. If you watch, if you look at most like if you if you watch Duke, Duke gets the same kind of kids. If you look at, yeah. you know what I mean, high character, great at basketball, <laughs> right, right, right. Go, come from great families, great stability, yeah. you know, clean cut mm-hmm. kids for the most part. Um, Dutch recruits a very Dutch recruits a, a kid that will fit right into the program and be part of the program without necessary. But if you can play, obviously perform. Yeah. Right? But uh, he doesn't recruit kids that I, that I've seen yet that 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 are going to be a, above the rest of the group of the kids. He just recruit he recruits a good group of guys. Yeah, he recruits uh, team team members team instead members. of right. t- instead of one guy who wants to come in and score 50 points a game. And even Malachi Flynn, he came from, I believe, Washington state transferred in right. from Washington state to San Diego state last year. And he knew he was going to be the guy, but I don't think he ever had to say it once. Everybody knew he was going to be the guy. But when, when, when you are uh, on par with the rest of your teammates, like I, I just think about me and my professional life. And when my boss treats me like I'm on par with him, I feel so much better right. about myself and I could play so, or I could work so much harder. Right. And I think that's what Brian Dutcher does. I really, I, I just the years that I've seen Brian Dutcher coaching this team and it goes back to your coach, Steve Fisher. It's all about empowerment of the player. And that's what Brian Dutcher does. And Brian Dutcher is never going to bring someone in. That's going to be a me, me, me guy. Cause he knows it's just going to mess with the entire chemistry of the team. And I like that about Brian Dutcher. He's willing to pass on maybe the more, the, the more talented guy, Mm-hmm. For a guy who he could develop, who will come in and fit with the team better. So I like that about him. 100%. And then, too, I mean, it's about winning, too. You can't win with four or five prima donnas. And and typically, yeah. uh, the, the most talented kid is not necessarily going to fit into what it is you do. You have to get kids that you can help grow. Mm-hmm. Um, you you want to have a kid with talent. But if we're being honest, you know, San Diego State has recru- has had some recruits that were highly touted recruits mm-hmm. um a kid that and i don't one one player in particular comes to mind uh, evan byrne who was you know one of the, the best players in the country came to sdsu and it just did not work out mm-hmm. uh, those players typically don't work it takes a and because san diego still is san diego right there's a ton to yeah. do there's a ton to get into you know, sun's always shining. You know I mean? like, <laughs> sun's so, out, guns out. Right. If if you don't, if you're not focused there, right? It's like being in LA almost. If you're not focused there, you can find yourself in a in a heap of trouble. So they got it, they have to recruit kids that will fit in. It's completely different than being in the middle of Michigan and it's snowing. You know, it's, <laughs> it's snowing on the ground. It is a little bit different than being in Michigan, I, I must say. Like the the Today, it's going to be about 70 degrees here in San Diego. In Michigan, it's probably snowing somewhere. I mean, I'm just watching the, the Sunday night football game between the Bills and the Steelers, and it's snowing, and it's 32, and I'm like, 70. okay, this is nice. This is nice. Um, so Nathan Mensa, he's going to be, I think, and I think you said it a little bit earlier, he's going to be the key to this year of the Aztecs being able to play well because he called this game against ASU his welcome back game 
Um, I said he missed 17 games. He missed actually 19 games last season with that blood clot in his lung. But one thing that's really strange about his play leading up to this point is that on the road, he does not play well at all. And at home, he plays really well. At home, he averages about eight points. He's 66% shooting and he's got uh, 28 blocks. And in 17 road games, he averages three and a half points, 39% shooting and only 11 blocks. Uh, so I, I don't know why that is. And maybe you could let me know, but I think he's going to be fine this year just because there's going to be no fans. And the, it, the, the look of the court of ASU was a little strange. I, I, as soon as I turned on the TV, I know that they were in their massive stadium that they usually use, but it looked like a pickup game because there was the, the, the bleachers folded up and it looked like they were in some sort of high school gym. So maybe that's a little bit more comforting to Nathan Mensa and some of these other players. I mean, the whole COVID sports world is just weird in general, right. but I feel like maybe maybe there's something to that. I'm a guy who takes the stuff that you can't measure, and I, I, I in my head, I put it as that's why. That's why. Right. He had no fans, so that's why he played so well. Right, right. What do you say about that? But I think that there's a there's a couple factors in, in that. I think that um, first you got to figure out how to take your show on the road, right? I think that it's, mm -hmm. it's just as simple. You got to figure out how to perform on the road. Um, and that's a little bit different because, the you know, backgrounds can be different, travel, eating, what you do, your routine, all of those things play a, a part into what, because all athletes are, cre are creatures of habit, right? You know, there's mm -hmm. things that I did every day as a, as a basketball player, as a, as a professional and as an amateur, right? That mm -hmm. kind of did the same things. Um, I think for him though, I just think that getting in a rhythm um, is, and, and doing it once, you kind of figure it out. I think some players, uh, and I, I enjoy being on the road and having people, you know, say all oh, tackle you. Oh man, they all, oh, oh man, I loved it. But you know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm a Chicago kid, man. Chicago tough place, man. I, you know, we, you, you're liable to hear anything. You know what I mean? If somebody's, yeah, you, you might hear anything. So, um, I, I went to, uh, I was, I was born in Chicago. I only lived there for like a year and a half or something, okay. but I went back when I was older and I got, I went to lower Wacker drive. Yeah. That, was, that was, that was the bad place for me. Bad <laughs> place for me. I was a little, a little scared, but no, Chicago, you're right. It, it's a tough town. And, and I think California, we're all shouldn't say it like this, but I'm going to anyway, I think we're a little soft here in California. I think that we we're, we're, uh, an all, everybody gets a trophy type world, but yeah. growing up in the Midwest and growing up on the East coast, it's not like yeah, that. You gotta, you gotta put a little bit of a, you gotta have a thicker skin. 100%. I would, and I would agree with you. I think that Californians are a little soft, but I, I, would, <laughs> I would say, I would say that, um, but there's good reason right there. You know, yeah. you know, it's, it's great living, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I also think that, you know, when it comes to sports and things of that nature, uh, California also has some of the most talent, right? When you look top to bottom, the talent level is high. Uh, mm -hmm. The toughness level might be a little low. Um, and yeah, but again, it, it, it just—it's just the nature of the beast. If you, you you grow up on the East Coast, man, you're fighting for space. I mean, you you, you know, you, <laughs> the next house is literally an inch away. Yeah, Midwest, you know, there's. Um, you grow up and you, you know, depending on where you grew up, if you grew up in the inner city of, of a place, I mean, you, you know, anything can happen. If you grew up in the country, you're trying to bail hay in the middle of the winter. Or you, <laughs> yeah, you know, true. You know, it's you know, not fun. Yeah, it's no fun. Right. So it's like when you when you think about all of those things, man, it just it that definitely plays a part into the psyche 
of a player. But uh, you know, again, with 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 Mensa all the way back around with with uh, with Mensa, he he just needs to figure out how to. There's a there's a there's a level there's a next level that we all have to go to no matter what it is and for him his next level is getting better at playing on the road coming out with a ton of energy which is what they're mm-hmm. asking him to do uh, not getting uh, discouraged mm-hmm. uh, it's always it's tougher for everybody to play on the road uh, when you don't know the when you don't know the building yeah um, and I think that playing pickup games takes the edge of, you know these these glorified pickup games that we're playing yeah right now, yeah yeah it, yeah it takes the edge off because everybody can hear what everybody is saying so you, you're probably not gonna get a kid telling you you know f off or whatever in the middle yeah. of the game you, you know and you, you're certainly not gonna get that from a fan so it just takes the edge off it's like more of like scrimmage pickup yeah that is that's funny you say that because it's like if you go on the road like you said you go on the road you love when fans were heckling you you love when fans are screaming at you and you love to shut up the crowd with some great play or something but when you go on the road and there's no one out there and maybe you do feed on the road and now you're just sitting in a stadium with no one and it it sounds like a glorified scrimmage where's your motivation come from right again you got to find some sort of internal deal right i you know i i you have to figure out here's my philosophy on on sports in general and especially basketball mm-hmm. you got to play for one of two things either you play for the competition or you play for the art right the first okay. one is going to be the first one that you learn is the competition right that's that's going to be the first thing that people tell you like you're, you're pitted against somebody one-on-one in basketball first thing you learn right when you when you, mm-hmm. in terms of competition after a while, when the competition doesn't really matter to you as much, you got to be about the art, right? So yeah. the cut, the pass, the movement, painting a perfect mm-hmm. picture, right? He's in a space where he should be playing for, for the competition of it all, right? No matter who's going, who he's going up against, he has to be playing for the competition. Nathan Mensa, Right. Speaking yeah. of Mensa, right? So yeah. if he's able to pull that off, and he should be, right? He's a young guy. Yeah. You know, he's got a you know, whole lot of basketball left. If he if he continues to snatch down double digit rebounds, eventually <laughs> it'll carry over to you know on the road. Yeah, and I meant to say this earlier, but going back to the rebound conversation, the offensive rebounds were off the charts for the Aztecs as well. And offensive rebounds are just so demoralizing for any any team that they're playing against because you've tried so hard to get the shot up, and now all of a sudden you're playing or you're trying so hard to get the rebound, trying to play defense. And all of a sudden the team gets a second chance. Either they just put it right back or they pull it out and they waste some more time. But that's what Nathan Mensa was doing really well. And it's one of the things I love about this Aztecs team is because my dad was a, you know, a, a amateur basketball coach, but he loves basketball. He taught me basketball my entire life. And he preached to me while I was playing, always go for the offensive boards and I never would go for the offensive boards. I don't know why it didn't click in my brain. When the ball went up, I started playing defense, you know, (laughs) but Dutcher has these guys in that mindset where the ball goes up and they crash the boards. And they said that many times in the broadcast on Thursday night on FS one. And when they crash the boards and when they're showing more effort than the other team, it's just game over game over. When you're getting those offensive rebounds. College basketball is, is all about effort and energy. I mean, you, you skill, Good point. you know, skill is one thing in college basketball, but if you can, if, if you're playing harder than the next group of players, right, you, you're probably just going to win. Now, professionally, it's a little bit different. High school is going to be a little bit different. And then there's some cases in, in college where, you know, that level of play, um, if you're playing, you know, if it's SDSU, again, going against somebody that's way lesser, no matter how hard they play, they they just don't have enough, right, to get it done. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. And even then, it can still end up looking bad on film, even in a win. So you can uh, see laziness on film. Right. Exactly. Right. So uh, I would I would say that, you know, as long as you know, as long as the guys are playing hard, if they if they if they play hard, that 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 covers up, you know, because if you would have I'm going to be honest, if you would have asked me who to, who would I who would I put my money on uh, when it came to Arizona State and San Diego State? Yeah. I love SDSU with my entire heart, right? I, mm-hmm. really do. I love that place. I don't always agree with what they do and say, but I love <laughs> the place, right? I don't always agree with some of the decisions that are made. Yeah. That's out of love for the university. Mm-hmm, Only back then, I, I still would have picked Arizona State to win that basketball game because of Remy uh, primarily. Nathan Minson just came out of nowhere and just yeah. played phenomenal basketball and changed yeah. that entire game and then opened up things for other people, right? Yeah. Um, but again, now knowing what I know, I won't. I won't make that. I won't make that. Up. You won't be. You won't. You won't think that way again uh, because Nathan Mensa is here. Yeah, that's He's here. Problem. Yeah. His welcome back game. And now I don't even want to get started on all the tweets and everything about how good this team would have been last year with Nathan Mensa. I'm not even going to get started because that's over and done with, but they would have been great with Nathan Mensa being a part of the lineup last year. Maybe they would have even finished 32 and 0. Who knows? But uh, so a big win over Arizona State and a big catapulting win for the rest of the season in this really tough season because games are being canceled left and right. You got Coach K saying that he doesn't want to play anymore basically and that's me vi- paraphrasing his quote down to a a hater level i guess <laughs> but a lot of people are saying that he's 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 mad because his team's not that great this year and then he's canceling non-conference games so uh, the aztecs programs in, in football and basketball they have really kept it together with the covid i'm very impressed especially in uh, uh san diego state has been a large contributor to covid cases in in san diego so I'm very impressed by them keeping their teams together and not having any of these major outbreaks, not having to cancel games on their behalf. Right. You know, it's, it's so tricky, man, because you can get these, these situations where you get super spreaders where, yeah. one kid mm-hmm. gets it, you know, and you know, you just never really know. Clearly uh, uh, Brian Dutcher has told the kids or they've, they put the kids in somewhat of a bubble right when it comes to the team and i don't know how they're operating that you may have some insight on that um not really (laughs) i mean they're not putting them in a bubble because like i said we talked to jordan shackle and i asked him like how it's what it's like to be a college basketball player uh who's not able to enjoy college and he was like for me it's basketball i'm here for basketball i'm not here to party but for the younger guys it's a little bit it's a little bit uh, troublesome for them to to stay in and keep their focus on what we on the job at hand. And they actually traveled without three of their players. I'm not going to name them because I don't want to throw them through the mud. But if you want to, you could find who didn't go. Uh, they they weren't able to go because they did attend something outside of the basketball program that um, they were concerned about. So they they left them at home, and that's just what you're going to do. I mean, and that is a big lesson for them. I'm sure that Dutcher didn't need to tell them twice to never do this again. And that's where Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle come in and they lead them into making the right decisions. You could do whatever you want outside the basketball season. You can go to any party you want. As long as you're not part of that season, go for it. But once the season starts, that is what you're here for. And you need to, it's tough. Trust me. It's tough. My, I, it would be hard for me. It would be hard for me to not go and have fun or at least go somewhere. Right. But 
That's what they're tasked with. Well, you know, like I said, the, you, you go to college one time and I'm in agreement with you. I think most, most of the players that go to college to play sports, they go for the sport. But yeah. before COVID, we were telling kids to go for the experience or to go for the academics, right? So now <laughs> yeah, things it's flipped, are huh? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's flipped around a little bit and, and somewhat, I, I would say it's somewhat contradictory, but it's the truth, right? You have to stay out of the way, right? You have to stay out, out of harm's way. College, the college experience is a different one now, and it'll always be different now. It's not gonna, yeah. not necessarily gonna go back. We're always, we always have to be thinking because I don't know if COVID is just gonna somehow disappear, right? I don't, yeah. I don't think we're, I think we're, I don't think so. Either. It's just gonna be here now, right? Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, but at the same time, um, like most things in life, some things you just have to stay away from, especially if you're, if you're an athlete. It's, you know, you just can't. You, you know, there's no more uh, for these young kids. There's no more keggers. And there's no, more, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, there's no more, uh, you know, just going to some frat house and, you know, standing in the backyard, just hanging out, just hang- like, trust me, you know, trust me. I went to my fair share of keggers in college, I hear and, you, man. fair share of frat houses in college you. and that, you know, it, it sucks. It sucks. I, I feel bad for them because looking back, those were some of my greatest memories, Absolutely. even though they were just me standing in a corner, but at the same time, <laughs> These guys, I mean, you said it, they're only going to college once, but the whole perspective changes when you're there on a scholarship. Number one, mm-hmm. it, it may be different if you're, if you're not on scholarship, you know, but not really because you're still on the team and you're in a, on a ranked team either way, either way, Brian Dutcher and his coaching staff have done a really good job of keeping these guys at least entertained enough to, to not get into any COVID trouble. And, and I really hope that they can keep that going forward. Right, right. Well, uh, I'm in agreement with you. I think that it, you know, it's a, it's a tricky situation, um, but I'm sure there's some protocols that the kids have to follow. Yeah. And you know, again, you just got to stay out of the way. Just got to figure out how to stay out of the way. Just do your thing, and then it'll all come together at the end. That's a fact. All right, we got a couple more things before we wrap up the episode number two. And we found out right before we came on today, it w- the Aztecs were ranked number 18 in the country, moved up six spots after their win at Arizona State. Media is starting to pay a lot of attention to the Aztecs. And my first thought is, where were you guys at the beginning of the year when everybody was like, why aren't they ranked? They were 30 and two last year. They didn't even come close to starting in the rankings, but now all of a sudden everybody out there loves the Aztecs. This is just what the Aztecs get. And it really starting to bother me a little bit is that they always get the guys who don't believe in them. And then right when they start winning a few games, people are like, Oh, you can't miss this Aztecs team. Right. Well, part of that for me is, is going back to the conference that they're, that they're playing in. Right. I think that when, when you're considered a mid-major, um, you know, people are overlooking you and there's a lot of politics that go into that. If you're in one of those, so much, you know, if you're in one of those power five conferences, all of a sudden the world kind of opens up in a different way. Yeah. Uh, true. Uh, so I think part of that was the, the issue. Uh, I also think that losing uh you know, losing your best player. Malachi Flynn was the best player on the team, right? And, and took eyes off of the team. Right. So I mean, you you lose him, he and he goes in the first round of the NBA draft. You think that there's gonna be some fall off. There hasn't been any up mm-hmm. to this point, right? So uh and then some of those wins, just big wins. You, you sometimes you just gotta beat people, right? You just yeah, that's beat, true. You know what I mean? And if you beat people, then the, you know the cream will surface. Yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, you beat UCLA. UCLA is UCLA. They might not be the greatest basketball team in the country, but they're still a big program. They still get good kids. Same with ASU. 
Um, but 18th, I'll take 18th. And I, I, I didn't expect them to be ranked until this week anyway, because they didn't have that many of great wins before the ASU win. So it's like, you, it, it's just the, the cream, the creme de la creme. Uh, no, that's not it. What's the saying I'm looking for? It's uh, never mind. I'll take it is what I'll say. I'll take it is what I'll say. 18th in the country. All they have to do is move up. Seth Davis, he's a prominent college basketball writer. He predicted they they would be ranked 15th. So he was three spots ahead. And then you got other guys around the country like Jeff Goodman. And you got um, uh, Dick Vitale tweeting about the Aztecs saying, you need to pay attention to this Aztec team. Brian Dutcher's starting to get his due. All of that comes together and all of that will play into the future of the program. And so when they look back on rankings this year they'll probably like that they weren't ranked just because they were able to turn so many heads and people are going to be like wow this team came from nowhere they came from out of the rankings all the way up to inside the top 10 who is this aztecs team bam there's your news story right so right agreed I, good. you know i think the the other thing that it has to be considered in all of that though is uh a lot of the a lot of the 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 really good how can I say this? Some of the top recruits in the country decided to go to the G League, right? Decided, okay, yeah. decided to go pro. And we're finding that a lot of the other kids are, you know, a lot of the other good kids are taking different routes. I'm mm-hmm. saying that to say that college basketball has leveled in a way that most people probably haven't noticed. If you look, I think Iowa, what is Iowa ranked in the country right now? Four or something like that or five? Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, if you, if you look at some of the Gonzaga is one, I mean, you know, there's some, and you start to look, there's more, there's more of a, a diverse group than before uh, when, mm-hmm. it, when it comes to, when it comes to the, to the rankings. And that has to do with programs being able to build programs as opposed to having situations where there's one and dones. And that's one of the reasons that um, Kentucky uh, is, is struggling this year because they have a lot of one and done kids. Whereas the oh, Iowa is they're number three, by the way, number three in the country. Right. So yes. uh, when the last time you see it, you know, you've seen that, right. You know, yeah, there's more, That's true. there's more parity with great basketball players. There's a, there's the programs that are able to keep kids and bring them through their program. They learn the program as opposed to, uh, you know, having these one and done programs, I think is, uh, or having to cater to a kid that is going to go pro. I think yeah. that helps a program more now than it, it has before help has helped the, you know, those teams from, you know, 10 to 25 or 10 to 45. It's a, it's a different, you know, they great point. The parody is becoming the, the, uh, the differences between the teams like Duke is no longer a team. You just pencil in as number top three in the country every year because other teams are able to make it in there. Exactly. That's a, that's a really interesting point. That's I I didn't ever think about it that way, but you're right. And, And when you have a team that plays together for years, the, the chemistry that's formed and all of the, uh, different experiences that the team has gone through will always help you and help you going forward. And uh, the one and dones I never thought would work anyway. Sometimes they don't even win the national title. Isn't right. that your whole goal if you're a one and done player? If you all go to one school, right. it's national title or bust. Right, right. The thing here's the thing. Like, and and this is why uh, I had a little bit of a pushback with what you were saying about uh, you know uh, you come to college to play basketball. I think mm-hmm. if you know if you know that you want to play basketball professionally. You need to go do that. College is about 
college is about, or at least for me, is about figuring out what it is you want to do with the rest of your life and then getting in that network of people. So if you want to be an engineer, right, you need to be around people who want to be engineers too, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And college gives you that, that ability. If you want to be a doctor, you need to be around other kids that aspire to be doctors. If you want to be a pro, you probably want to be around other kids who aspire to be pros. Now that does, college is, it's not that cut and dry when it comes to basketball, right? You know, you still have kids who want to make it out of college, but if you are, um, if you know that your sole purpose when you get to a college is to just perform for you, then the college is probably not for you, right? If it's just mm-hmm. about you. So, and I don't, I'm, I'm going to use this loosely, right? Because I know the people around him, but a kid like Jalen Green, uh, who was playing in the G League now, um, he was the number one player in the country uh, by a lot of people last year. Uh, he, he decided to go to the G League, which was the best thing that he could have did. Because it, had mm-hmm. he gone to a college, the coach has to then cater to him to make sure that the situation is conducive for him to be a pro, to catapult the program and not ruin the relationship so he, he can get another kid like him in the future, right? Yeah. Whereas with SDSU, let's go back to SDSU. Mm-hmm. They get a chance to recruit the kids that fit into what it is they want to do. Those yeah. are two totally different thought processes, right? You, mm-hmm. I'm going to go get the kid I want as opposed to having to bring in a kid that we have to cater to, right? And yeah. as soon as you start catering to people in a team situation, a lot of things can go wrong. It's over. You get jealousy. You get, you could either, it could go really well or it could go really poorly. I don't think there's really any middle ground there. Right. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And then you're starting to talk in the news, uh, Calipari, is he done type things. And so just bad things can happen from bringing in a guy that only wants to play to get to the NBA. He's exactly. just doing this as a stopover. Exactly. Um, but the ranking 18th, the Aztecs will take it. They're only going to move up from it. And I will take from what you just said that that ranking is all about the work that's been do- done over the past three or four years and the work that Coach Dutcher has put into this team and especially Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle, who have been there for the past four years. They've been there since the beginning. Last thing, we're going to look at the schedule a little bit here uh, with the Aztecs. And it's a weird start time on Friday, but. The Aztecs are going to take on BYU at Viejas at 2 p.m. Really strange, really strange start time on a Friday. But I, I guess with no fans, there's no one really to wait for. Or maybe that's a, that could be a TV thing, actually. That could be a TV thing now that I'm thinking about it. It could be a TV start time. But I just want to get uh, your memories about BYU because I always, anytime I talk to an Aztec athlete, they always have something to say about BYU. And I wanted to get your memories about them. You know the, you know the. Okay, so there's a lot of great things about BYU. First, um, you know, I was always a little bit jealous of them because they could, all of those guys can, I don't know, I don't, like they come out of the womb being able to shoot the basketball. Right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like this uh, genetic trait that- Yeah, know, it's weird. Guys open, they're going to make the shot. Like They're like great athletes. I don't understand it. They don't even, they're just born into it. They're just kind of born into it, right? It's like, did it? There's no way that he could have this little. There's no way he could have outworked me on his jump shot and come in the game and just not miss <laughs> any of his open shots, right? Um, yeah. But the other part of it too, if I'm being completely honest, right? If if I'm being completely honest, that that it was a team that was um, there was always this pit of uh, they were a bunch of white Mormons, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then 
playing against them as an African-American and on a team full of African-Americans in San Diego, right? Where yeah. we, we got two completely thought processes when we're when, from Mormon, from the Mormon community in Utah to, or Provo to San Diego, living in San Diego. Yeah. From the, from the outside looking in, right? It felt like we were completely different, right? In terms oh, yeah. of what, but the irony in that is that we were the exact same, Matt. I got to know some of those guys. Those guys hung out the, just like us. They, well, I don't want to put their business out there or mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. you know, they they had a good time, right? They they had a good time. I watched them one time. Um, they got off the bus uh, in uh, in our arena, in the arena parking lot, and I was standing there and I was trying to get some sort of hatred built up. We had just had like, a- look at those guys over there. Just give me something. Just give me, <laughs> show me some weakness. That guy was able to make three since birth. Right, huh? <laughs> they got off the bus. What I thought were going to be some straight laced shirt tucked in, practice jersey <laughs> tucked in. Guys. Yeah, yeah. They had snatched their jerseys off and were whirling them around because it was 75 degrees and they were coming yeah. from Provo, which is uh-huh. two 32. Degrees. Yeah. <laughs> so they were a fun group of guys, right? They were really, really cool dudes. And, and I don't know somehow when that I had to battle that, knowing that some of those guys were cool and they're, um, their coaching staff when I was there was always very, very complimentary of me when other programs were not, when other, you know, I had issues with a couple of the other schools, right. In terms of what they were saying and things that they saw me do that they didn't mm-hmm. like, and they would go back and tell then coach Fisher. And then he would come and sit down and meet with me. And, you know, one time in particular, we lost to this one particular team that we shouldn't have lost to. I was upset, wasn't really thinking and just walked off the floor instead of shaking hands. Just kind okay. of walked off the floor. Yeah. Um, somebody in the crowd, a fan, right, uh, walked up to Coach Fisher and went in about me not shaking hands with, you know, after the game, right? Yeah. yeah I should yeah. have, right? I should have. But then, the, and then there were some other things that happened. My point being is that BYU was one of those teams that, that I tried to hate and couldn't really hate, but but had to hate because everybody else hated them, right? Oh, but they were I like it. You know, but the, but all in all, man, they were they they were no different than than us, right? They were no yeah. different than you know, one could even argue that a couple of those guys were black on the inside for all practical <laughs> right? So it was a it was I had a really, really good experience with those guys. So if if That's... I'm completely honest. Yeah, that's good to hear because at first I thought you were going to say that those guys would participate in, you know, racist comments and things of that nature. But no, you completely turned it around because that is kind of the stereotype of BYU. And I know that's why a lot of Aztecs fans don't like it is because they think that these guys are mean guys and they're they're racist and, and they're uh, elitist and all this other stuff. But really, you're kind of debunking. They're, they're just like us. No, I mean, listen, you're not going to get everybody to believe exactly like you believe, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. I, I can't even do that in my own house for the most part. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the, uh, but the, at the same time, right, you got to respect people where they come from, right? You have to have an understanding of where they come from. And generally, when you get to know people, black, white, green, yellow, mm-hmm. you find out that... Man, we're all the same. Yeah, we're all the same. Now we might yeah. have some. We might have some fundamental differences, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe we believe there. Like in knowing what I know about Brigham Young, 
right? I'm I, mm-hmm. I'm taken back, right? If we if we yeah. if we look into the the history of Brigham Young and some of the things that he said about black people, right? If we yeah. do, if we do the homework a little bit, it's a little it's a little strange. If yeah. you look at some of the things that have happened at the school, uh, African American kid goes goes to the school, has sex with a girl there shouldn't mm-hmm. and shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. No, they they kick him out of school for that. She gets That's, to stay yeah. at the school. Right now, and this is consensual, right? This is a consensual mm-hmm. thing, but they tell you, "Oh no, you can't do that here," and so on and so forth. I get it, right? But at the same yeah. time, people make mistakes. You should not lose your scholarship over that. Yeah, that is, yeah. But that's an institutional problem, right? That's an institutional problem. The kids that come there to play, like every other school, are there to compete, do it, you know, do their very best on the basketball court. And more importantly, from a business perspective, where the kid gets lost is to drive revenue for the school, right? It's a revenue driver for the school. So if 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 we're all in the same gang, so to speak, right? If we're mm-hmm. all in, why would we fight one another? Let's compete against one another, but not fight one another, right? And that's what I, I think that's what I learned from playing against them more than anything else. That's really good insight. I, I will take that for with, with me today because that's something I didn't expect to hear, but it's good to hear. It really is good to hear. I like when people debunk things because then it takes my hater mind and switches it around. Now I'm going to look at BYU and I'm going to say, all right, those guys are just like us. Those guys are just like us. Yeah, so yeah. they take on BYU on Friday at 2 p.m. at home, and then they'll go to St. Mary's next Tuesday. They only have three more games until the end of the year. And uh, so St. Mary's, it, they aren't ranked, but they're always a good team. They're a West Coast Conference team. They play against teams like Gonzaga. So you never know what's going to happen with St. Mary's. And uh, like I said, three more games till the end of the year. So th- it's not much basketball until we're talking about this in 2021, which yes. apparently everybody thinks that 2021, once the clock hits midnight, everything's going to go away. But I don't <laughs> think it's going to. So <laughs> listen, uh, everybody keeps saying that the year was a bad year and it has been a rough year, man. Losing Kobe. It's how you look at it. Yeah, but it's all about how you look at it. I mean, if you, for me, the world actually runs more efficiently now, right? It's almost like things are a lot more efficient than what they used to be. And maybe we'll get some of those, you know, you watch some of those futuristic uh, movies and they have Mm -hmm. like the, uh, the, 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 the sporting event happening on closed circuit TV with yeah. fans. Maybe we'll get some of that. Maybe that's more. Maybe that's more efficient than building a, a eight a eight billion eight dollar billion dollar stadium. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's more efficient just to set up some closed circuit TV and sell the you know sell. The, <laughs> sell yeah, I, I know one thing that has changed from COVID is is media and the way things way things are done. We're doing this over Zoom. Right. And I wouldn't have even thought about doing that a year ago. Yeah. I would have been like, all right, we're going to have to find a way to get right. you know, somewhere. Right. And, but now we can do this on zoom. It's totally fine. Same with teams. The one thing I will say, and I know we're getting off the Aztecs a little bit, but the one thing I will say about the media department departments around the country, pro college, anything is they're more willing to say no to interview requests because they can put them on zoom and everybody gets to ask their questions. So that's been a little bit tougher on my side as someone who's in sports radio, who produces, who books these, these guests, it's been a little bit tougher, but at the same time, it is much easier to go watch a press conference on zoom than it is to file into that crowded room for anybody who's never been in a press conference before. Those rooms are usually not very comfortable. There's about 50 people in it. It's about 
3000 degrees in that room <laughs> and the coach is angry probably if they lost and they're happy if they won but they don't want to answer your questions anyway so it's just an awkward situation all the way around i'm perfectly fine with my camera off watching the press conference from afar right 100 I, I i'm with you i i remember being in some of those deals and you trying to figure out who said what and trying to hear what was being and then you know you don't want to come off as too rambunctious at least in this it's more of a controlled environment that we're in right now that's for sure yeah, so uh, all things we'll get used to coming up here in the next little bit, but th- that's it for episode number two of the As- the Believe Aztecs Basketball Podcast with Randy Holcomb. I'm Matt Scravey. Believe Aztecs Basketball Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe has a podcast for every one of your teams and the only place with a show for your favorite team. We believe in our teams. And like I said last week, I've been through the Believe archives and, and all the different podcasts. They have so many different podcasts all around the country it doesn't matter what school it is it doesn't matter what pro team it is they probably have something for you so go check it out that's b-l-e-a-v so we'll be back with you next week and to do episode number three hopefully we're talking about another aztecs win uh in this time it will be a win over the not so hated anymore school byu uh so that's it for this week and uh, you have any parting words randy before we go no, I'm just so happy, man. Matt, I want to thank you again, man. You, This is so much fun, man. It's so enlightening. I've, there's a lot of things that I've wanted to get off my chest. And, you, and with you, I'm, this is a platform that's believed and, you know, partnering with you has given me an opportunity to give some insight. And I, I yeah. just want to thank you and appreciate you so much, man. Same, same goes to you. And please bring your, bring your, your takes, bring all your takes because I'm a, I'm a, I, I love to, I, I always go first to the hater take. So maybe you'll be able to level me out a little bit like, <laughs> a, like you did with the BYU thing. So yeah. I appreciate you being here with me and uh, we'll keep this going. This has been fun. We got good feedback about the first one. If you want to reach us on social media, I, I know that on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Matt Scraby, M-A-T-T-S-K-R-A-B as in boy, Y. Is there any social media handles that you have out there? Absolutely. Out at alfredshouse.com for okay. almost everything. Twitter, uh, Instagram, IG, the rest of it. So we, Alfred's house, the Alfred's with an S house. Okay, perfect. Make sure everybody goes and follows us there. You'll be able to see everything that we do and appreciate it. We'll be back with you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.